It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 62 of the Night Talker. At 10.45, where are we at in society? A guy faked his own death before showing up to his funeral in a helicopter to teach his family a lesson. You're going to be shocked to learn that he's also a TikTok influencer. At 10.15, it is the first part of my weekly two-segment chat with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, discussing the huge recruiting weekend for Texas Longhorn football. And coming up this segment, pro football focus is high on that Longhorn football team. UCF continues to prove that it is the A&M of Florida. And whoever said teenage pregnancy was a bad thing never considered using the baby to announce their college commitment. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can follow me on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Pro Football Focus has gained in popularity over the last several years now. Gosh, this goes back 10 or 15 years at least it feels like at this point. Thanks to their in-depth analysis that has a lot to do with being able to quantify things. And doing so in a unique manner. And so we all have to pay attention, both on the pro football side, which is what the name suggests, but now also the college football side, when they are doing in-depth analyses on your team, or maybe a team that you are interested in, or they release a rankings based on said statistical analyses. That's why Longhorn fans may want to take note over the 2023 season ranking for all 131 FBS teams prior to the year officially getting going, obviously. doesn't start until, I think technically week zero is still that weekend before Labor Day weekend, and then everybody else gets going Labor Day weekend, including the Texas Longhorns, who will be hosting the Rice Owls on that Saturday night at DKR. And it's those Longhorns that do, unsurprisingly, find themselves in the top 25. But just how high in the top 25 will they be, according to Pro Football Focus? Most preseason polls right now seem to have them somewhere between 10 and 20. Most between 15 and 20. But Pro Football Focus isn't taking opinions necessarily as much as it is crunching the numbers. And they do so with their ELO ratings. The top 25 looks a little something like this, starting 1 to 5, because that's as far as we need to go, Longhorn fans. Number 1, Georgia. Back-to-back national champs. Not surprising. They lose some key pieces, but they're at that point with their program where Alabama has been for nearly 15 years now where it is truly replacing five-star with five-star at many positions, including the key positions. And speaking of, Bama is number two. I think that could be a little bit high right now, but then again, be stupid to hedge too hard against the Crimson Tide with what Nick Saban has done in his tenure in Tuscaloosa. We'll certainly find out in week two when the Longhorns do travel to Alabama for that rematch from last year's close affair in Austin, won by the Crimson Tide. Number three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number four, Michigan. And then, yes, number five is the Texas Longhorns. 
Why might Texas be the number five team, you may be asking? The write-up looks a little something like this from Max Chadwick. Outside of Ohio State, Texas has the best receiving core in college football. Wide receiver Xavier Worthy and tight end Jatavian Sanders are both top four players at their respective positions. And the Longhorns have excellent depth with A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Isaiah Nayor all back. The question is, can Quinn Ewers deliver them the ball consistently? The former top quarterback recruit in the 2021 class was up and down in his first year as a starter, earning a 72.4 grade. That grade seems high. If he lives up to the hype as a redshirt sophomore, Texas could finally be back. Yes, that's right. We can't have a write-up on the Texas Longhorns without that famous Joe Tessitore quote from the Notre Dame game so many years ago now, that game in Austin where both Notre Dame and Texas ended up sucking that, that year. Charlie Strong's last season in Austin. But here we are. So what do you think? Top five team for Texas? Roster-wise, talent-wise, what they return? I mean, the potential is there, but I'm not going to believe any of that hype until I actually see it play out. So consider me a seller, at least in the short term. I hope that I'm proven wrong two weeks in the season. That Texas does win that game or at least keep it within a couple of points. I think that would be a good omen for what they're capable of the rest of the way. But I still need to see it to believe it. Because Texas has underperformed far more often than not over the last nearly 15 years since that last national championship game appearance. And Steve Sarkeesian, his track record as a head coach, does not speak to someone who has gotten over the hump just yet. Not good against conference competition on the road and also not good against top 25 opponents. Loses two out of every three games in each of those scenarios. But he'll have another chance this year with a roster that he believes is maybe as talented as any that he has put together. Now, one of Texas' opponents in the Big 12, one of their new opponents, I should say, is the University of Central Florida. Central Florida, I think with the national championship antics that they were claiming a couple years ago, when they did go undefeated, and I think they won a New Year's Six game, I want to say over Auburn, to finish 13-0 on the season, or maybe it was 14-0 on the season. They claimed a national championship that year, even though they weren't really national champs. It probably went to Alabama. I don't recall off the top of my head right now. But UCF, in making such bold claims, does give a little bit of a Texas A&M vibe off when they do so. And, well, they decided to do so once again this week via Twitter. Their official account is at UCF Knights. Quote, I'm thrilled to say this is a picture posted to Twitter this period week period with a smiling emoji wearing sunglasses. The picture itself is of the state of Florida with a palm tree coming out wherever UCF is. I think it's in Orlando and a quote next to the palm tree that also contains a UCF flag above a Big 12 conference flag. Quote, I'm thrilled to say that we will be the flagship school for the Big 12 Conference in the state of Florida. With this move, the Big 12 is planting a flag right in the heart of the state of Florida. I guess technically you're right about that. You are the flagship school in Florida. But you make it sound like there's competition there, and there's not. There aren't any other 
state of Florida schools in the Big 12 right now. I mean, give Brett Yormark a couple of years. Maybe that changes. But as it stands right now, you're the only school in Florida, UCF. You don't need to state the obvious to anybody. And please, I feel like you have put that national championship somewhere on the stadium or a practice facility, or maybe there was a helmet decal that following season. You don't need to put this anywhere on your program. That's actually embarrassing for you guys, believe it or not. I realize you function in America's most flaccid member, the state of Florida, and so the rules are a little bit different there. But trust me when I tell you, as an outgoing member of the Big 12, you don't need to crow about this one. Nobody cares, and all you're doing is setting yourself up for ridicule. But then again, maybe you're willing to be the butt of the jokes in a conference that's about to be second tier. Sorry, Big 12 fans. You are after the Big 10 and SEC after all. One more college football note before we hit the commercial break. In our chat with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, how about this for a unique college commitment announcement? USC landed a commitment from Ryan Pelham yesterday. Well, Ryan Pelham just had a kid. Just had a baby. And he decided to get the baby to be a part of his commitment announcement. Instead of picking a hat and putting it on his head, he decided to pick up his infant child who was wearing a onesie with USC's V for Victory hand signal on the front. And my goodness, if that is not the most adorable college commitment announcement of all time. Kudos to Ryan Pelham even though he spurned the Longhorns in the process. All right, coming up, we will continue with the college football chatter with Justin Wells of Inside Texas and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It is a Tuesday, which means it's time, because it's Tuesday at 10.15, to talk with my friend Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Check him out at those places, and also on Twitter at JustinWells2424. J-Dub, thank you as always. How are we doing this week? Man, we are trying to stay cool, because... I look outside and the temperature says stupid hot (laughs) and I completely agree with it. So man, I'm just trying to stay cool in this hot summer. Yeah. It's sadly to the point in the summer where even going to the swimming pool doesn't cool you off all that much because the swimming pool is essentially lukewarm bathwater at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I think we missed the, the May swimming pool, you know, when you had to mow the yard and it's still hot out there and you can jump in and it's like, damn cold and you're like man that's you know it it, it really hits you and gives you a jolt now you're jumping into a a hot tub without the bubbles and it's just not the same man not the same gonna go for the seamless transition here speaking of scorching hot texas football steve sarkeesian and let's be very specific to shard choice are scorching hot on the recruiting trail after a huge weekend of official visits and even a couple of commitments before we look at the weekend on the whole let's go ahead and talk about uh, the guys who did give their verbal pledges 
to the Longhorns over the weekend. And we talked about Jarrett Gibson just a couple weeks ago after the initial running back commitment, Christian Clark out of Arizona. I asked you at that time, if Jarrett Gibson wants to give his commitment as well, does Texas take two running backs right now? You didn't hesitate in saying yes. And sure enough, on his official visit from IMG Academy in Florida this weekend, Jarrett Gibson commits to the Longhorns. What is Texas getting from the running back position out of Jarrett Gibson? Yeah, the the on three number two tailback in the country. Um, this one was one of those, uh, not a matter of uh, of if, but when. Hmm. The Shard Choice had built a relationship with Gibson three years ago, so this thing had been in the works for a long time. Uh, Choice is the master at at building these relationships with these elite tailbacks. Gibson's a guy that man, he's like he's like smoke through a keyhole. He gets low in the middle. He 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 hits that cut and that gear and, and cuts up field. He's got legit speed. He's got good body size and balance. It, and what's even better is it, he's a very thunder to lightning with Christian Clark, the, the the commit from the week before. Two of the the top guys on the big board for for unit for, for Texas in twenty twenty four. You know Gibson's just a guy that man he can go. And you're talking about a kid that had 25 plus offers. Uh, the whole state of Florida tried to keep him in state. Tennessee made a push. Alabama made a little run. Uh, Jer- uh, Georgia flirted with him. But at the end of the day, this relationship was built years before Choice ever made it to Austin. I had a source tell me about 12 to 16 months ago to get to know Jarrett Gibson because he's going to be a Longhorn. They were dead nut accurate. Uh, end of the day, he's already done with his re- running back recruiting, and he is already putting his focus on the 2025 guys now so he can get his top two backs again, just like every class, and it's more than likely going to be two of the top best players in the country. What is it that makes the shard choice so good as a recruiter? I know you mentioned building relationships. Is there just a general likability there? Is he somebody who asks these guys questions and really listens and makes sure to retain the information that he's hearing? Why is he so good on the recruiting trail? Man, that's a really good question. I, I think from a coaching aspect, if you're really good, he finds what you're not good at. Hmm. And I and I use that example with B. John Robinson. You know, he was gifted a sports car with Bijan, but it needed a tune-up. And even Bijan knew that. And so despite the fact that he was so good, Tashar Choice found what he wasn't good at, things he needed to improve on. And that actually got Bijan's attention because he's the ultimate competitor, you know, self-motivated, want to get better. So from a coaching standpoint, he'll tell you the truth. He won't let you get too high. He won't let you get he won't let you get up in the clouds. And then from the from the the younger guys. He just gets to know them at a young age. He's he's honest. He's up front. He completely invests himself in that person. Like with Trey Weisner, the running back signee out of DeSoto in the 2023 cycle. You know, when I asked Trey why he committed, he said, because I see myself in Coach Choice. We both grew up kind of in a hard life. We both grew up kind of doing the same things. We had a lot of relatable things, mm. and he made it out. He made it to college. He made it to the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. And he's like, I want to do that. And so he's showing me exactly how we can do that. And so I think he's flexible. He's like a chameleon. He can fit in with any type of family, any type of relationship. And he's honest with these kids. And he's young. He still has that youth. He has that energetic energy that 
that some coaches have at that age that I think really pays off when you're recruiting elite players. Uh, you've got to have you got to find an edge, and choice always seems to find an edge. And he not only hits the home run with the kids, it's the parents. Trey, this guy, if he tells a player don't do an interview. The kid doesn't do an interview, and mom and dad tell him, you're not doing an interview. Coach Choice isn't into that right now. It's incredible. I wouldn't say the amount of control he has, but his influence on each player and each family and each recruitment. Choice is just fantastic, and at some point, Texas is going to have to cut him another check. Yeah, you know, some people may consider when they hear that control, it sounds to me more like trust. Like they put their absolute yeah, that's what I meant. More like influence, story. trust. Yeah. No, no, and that's that's kind of what I meant. It's more of a trust thing. It's gotcha. an influence thing. It's a I'm trusting my child with you for the next three to four years, and the kids they're all in. Man, C.J. Baxter is the biggest Shark Choice fan. Uh, Jarrett Gibson is one of the biggest. Christian Clark is one of the biggest. Trey Wisner. And then if you ask B. John Robinson, what was the the one thing that really helped him get over the hump and become an elite guy in an early first-round draft pick, it's Deshard Choice telling him what he wasn't doing well his junior year, not what he was doing well. What wasn't he doing well? Uh, I think there were – yeah, there wasn't much. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, it feels like a bit of a nitpick, but I'm sure there's yeah, something I mean, that obviously you, helped him out. That's exactly right. You're nitpicking at this point. I think there was some blitz pickup stuff he needed mm. to be better on. I think there was um, just, you know, he was so versatile. They wanted to make sure that he wasn't trying to do too much. Mm. I think sometimes uh, Choice had noticed that Bijan was maybe trying to do a little too much and, t- and, and kind of giving him that you can trust that blocker. You can trust this play, that that seam is going to be there. You can trust that this hole is going to burst. And if you get past that linebacker, you're going to the house. And so, yeah, you definitely have to nitpick when it's Bijan. But I loved it because Bijan would tweet something about something that had happened and Tashar Choice would remind him, you haven't done anything. Don't, 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 don't pat yourself on the back for that. Go back to work. And to me – Bijan, not there's a lot of kids in this generation that wouldn't really take that well, but Bijan's not your normal guy. He's insanely mature. He took it well, and that's why he became the eighth pick in the NFL draft and the face of the franchise for the Atlanta Falcons for the foreseeable future. You mentioned C.J. Baxter a few answers ago being a big Tashard Choice fan. We talked about him on signing day many months ago now, Justin, you gave the Najee Harris comp to C.J. Baxter, which I thought was a really good one. So I'm going to ask that same question, a good comp for Jarrett Gibson, because you seem to be so adept at these sorts of things. Uh, Yeah, I get lucky sometimes. Um, (laughs) Jarrett Gibson, man, you put me on the spot. I got one. Hodges Mitchell. He is a taller, Ooh. thicker version of Hodges Mitchell. That's the running back at Texas oh, yeah. from 1999 to 2001. He came in behind uh, Ricky Williams. He was, the, he was the bridge between Ricky Williams and Cedric Baxter uh, out of Dallas. I think he was a skyline guy. Um, just imagine Hodges Mitchell a little bit taller and a little bit thicker. The way he goes through the hole, the way he, he, he finds the crease, that's my comp there. It just took me a few minutes to think about it. Want to talk about the other commitment from the weekend before the commercial break? That would be Atascacita, interior offensive lineman Nate Kibble. What are the Longhorns getting in Kibble? Another large human. 
a gigantic kid out of a, a high school that is producing NFL offensive linemen at a rapid rate. Uh, Texas dipped into Tascacita not too long ago for Samuel Cosme, who was a second-round pick of the Washington Commanders. Um, Nate Kibble is a kid that, you know, Texas A&M wanted him. LSU wanted him. Texas had always kept a pretty good relationship with him, but they hadn't really pushed yet. And then about a week ago, our Jerry Hamilton reported that Texas had kind of upped the, the relationship and, and the contact, brought him in for the official visit this weekend. And it wasn't – that was a matter of kind of, you know, closing the deal. You know, that was where Kyle Flood went and made a cup of coffee because it, it, it was time. Um, and I, my favorite part of the Nate Kibble one, and not just because of his upside, I think he's a guy that could be versatile at guard or at tackle. And I think that's one reason Flood liked him so much was his, 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 his versatility. But it was his mother's tweet that night. And you know me, uh, you have to be a little leery sometimes of parents on social media <laughs> when it relates to high school recruits going into college. But this mother tweeted out how grateful she was that the Texas staff took a chance Hmm. on her son, that they invested in her son and her family. And in this day and age, that's not what we normally see. And that was a very pleasant surprise. I I thought that really, really resonated uh, because now that you have the family buy-in, you have the player buy-in, these kids love Kyle Flood. It's just another example of the culture going in the right direction and, you know, when you have a mother, you know, thanking you for the usually it's you're selling the parents in this regard. It felt like the mother was selling the kid. And she basically was so grateful that that Texas is taking a chance on her son. To me, that was a pleasant surprise. Kibble joining this class. It, it was a sneaky get this. This went under the radar a little bit and it shouldn't have because there were 20 schools that were after him. He is Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Coming up more with Justin, including an overview of the recruiting weekend. Was there any bad coming out of it? And Longhorn Hoops lands a high school commitment as well. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Give him a follow on Twitter at JustinWells2424. And of course, you can hear him on this show every Tuesday beginning at 1015. Not next Tuesday, though. It's July 4th, so we're both taking the day off. All right, Justin, uh, although we did talk about the two commitments coming out of the weekend, this is obviously a massive recruiting weekend for Longhorn football. And talking with Bobby Burton yesterday, he said it may have been the biggest recruiting weekend in something like 10 to 15 years. Uh, Do you agree with that sentiment? And what are some of the other major positives to take away from the weekend? I think Bobby's on the right track. Uh, There's only a handful of other occasions where I felt like there was more star power more Texas leans, more more Texas momentum. It, it'd be hard to find that. And Bobby's a vet, so he's he's been around plenty of times to to make that call. Nobody had a better visit than Colin Simmons. Nobody. Oh, that's great uh, news. The five star edge out of Duncanville was just simply fantastic. When you come out of a visit and and you're and you're basically leading now for the the nation's number one edge, which is the primary position on this in this program that has not added an elite guy 
Sark and this staff has recruited ridiculous at every position except for edge. And so I think now with with a Colin Simmons looking looking pretty solid with Texas right now, a Danny Okoye who came in on an official the weekend before in, in Texas is in the mix. Now you're starting to to dig in with some really quality pass rushers, and that changes the game uh, on the defensive end. And so I think those were a really big takeaway with Colin. But top to bottom, think about it from an inside Texas standpoint. We had over 720,000 views on one thread from this weekend. We had over 6,000 replies. Hmm. There was so much going on, and there was so much positivity and so much energy. It's Kobe Black, one of the nation's top corners. It's Jordan Johnson Rebell and Corey and Gibson, maybe the best safety duo in the nation. You got Selman Bridges, the long and strong six foot four DB out of Lake Belton. Um, you look, you know, you, you solidified your spots with like Parker Livingstone and a Daniel Cruz and an Alex January. The D line hall is going to wind up being pretty dang good. Um, top to bottom, I have to agree with Bobby. Is one of the better weekends. It was really a, a great uh, a, a example for you know getting good feedback and good and making hay in this job in this industry. And so, give Sark and those guys credit. The month of June has turned into official visit month. <laughs> you know, since the changing of of all the rules and then early enrollees and all. I mean, early commits and all that stuff. And they've adapted. And they absolutely hit a home run, and it couldn't have gone any better than with Colin Simmons. Not to take this conversation too far off course, but I also saw the popularity of the recruiting thread this weekend at Inside Texas, and it it honestly brings tears to my eyes to hear you talk about it because it goes to show that a website that for a long time, myself and others, have considered to be the best in the business. Like the word is out on y'all now, Justin, and like nobody's sleeping on you anymore. If you want to be dialed in for the best information with Longhorn sports, football, basketball, baseball, otherwise, there is not even a close second place to the quality of work that Inside Texas and now the On Texas Football YouTube channel provides. 100% agree uh, agree with you. <laughs> but the truth is I'm 100% grateful yeah. for, for that. And, 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 you know, you're one of the reasons that's helped us along on this journey, um, being one of our biggest supporters. It, it's just – it's fun, man, because we just go after it. We get after it. It's comp- it's competition to us. And, yeah. and every day it's, all right, who are we going to beat today? Who are we going to get today? Who are we going to work on today? Who are we going to – what scoop are we going to get today? And this last weekend gave us that perfect opportunity. Yep. You know, because we had built relationships with virtually every player that had been on campus. So we were going to get some sort of feedback, knowledge, and info from each single guy. And that's what helps us put together so much stuff. I mean, we had a post for Saturday night just off of what some of the recruits were saying, where they were at, kind of where they stood. But at the end of the day, it's about Texas football. And it's about Steve Sarkeesian and the trajectory of this program. And that goes along a lot with what we're doing. When Texas is doing well and you can put out a good product, that product is going to do well. It's one of those things that it's that synergy type deal that when they're doing well, you, you if you play your cards right and you work hard, you'll do well. And so again, give Sark and those guys a lot of credit. The 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 you know the, the way they they really put themselves in a great position with Colin Simmons, with Kobe Black, but with a handful of these guys, you got to tip your cap because some of these guys are looking at summer decisions. 
Some of these guys are looking at getting a spot before they begin their senior year, which I find very smart to go ahead and do that because the later on in the cycle, that's when the portal becomes a deal and where recruits and, and scholarships become a little more scarce. Kids are becoming smarter. Texas really, really narrowed down their focus on who they like and who they want. And uh, now that we're in the dead period for this little month stretch until the end of July, um, I think this is where you're going to see a lot of kids and parents at kitchen tables making converse, having conversations and making decisions. And that's why the month of July, if you thought last weekend at Inside Texas was fun, <laughs> wait until July because there's over half a dozen kids that are set to announce and the horns look mighty fine in a lot of those recruitments. And as you talked about with Shard Choice last segment, the same thing holds true for you guys. And I know you just mentioned this word again with why Inside Texas is so good at what y'all do. It's relationships. And so kudos on that. And uh, love to hear all the great news. But it does beg the question, is there any not so great or bad news to come out of the recruiting weekend? You know, it can't all be, you know, smiles and roses and lollipops. <laughs> as much as I would like that, it, it really can't all be like that. They brought in defensive lineman Terrence Hibbler. Uh, he's a Mississippi State commit. They made they, they took a big cut at him. He's a kid they really like, but it it doesn't feel like they're going to turn that one. It, it looks like he's going to he's going to stay solid to the Bulldogs uh, down in Starkville. Uh, Makai Sinai, Sinai, he's another offensive lineman out of Arlington Martin. I thought Texas did pretty well this weekend, really connected with the mom and the family. Uh, but I'm getting a USC vibe about 24 to 48 hours post OV. And, mm. and sometimes this is that window where you kind of figure out, all right, is it the post off, uh, you know, OV high and where does it wear off? Because every, every kid's going to tell you they enjoyed the trip. Everybody's going to describe it. They don't want to say mean things. They don't want to say something negative uh, about coaches and stuff, but you got to keep stay with them because after a few days, that's where it kind of tells you, all right, did they really catch that Texas vibe? Or are they starting to lean other places and starting to think in, uh, in other directions? Uh, and an example is Miles Davis, safety out of Converse Judson. He took an official visit last weekend and they knocked out the park. They put themselves in, in an excellent position for the Converse Judson safety. I mean, they, they really did. But he returned to A&M this last weekend, and I caught up with him this morning, and I feel like A&M did a really good job. So now that's an example of you got a guy that's gone to back-to-back visits, and now he's kind of got a buzz from both of them. The only thing I can tell you is that Texas, it's going to be Texas or Texas A&M for this kid's services. He's going to announce on August 25th the Horns have two months to kind of – to keep that momentum and keep that connection there. But it gives you an example of, you know, as soon as you can get some good vibes from players, they're set off to go to another trip. They're hitting another school, you know, days later, a week later, and, you know, an unofficial during the week later. And that's where you really got to capture that momentum at, at the time. So Texas basketball also received some good news in the last couple of days. Uh, They lost both members of their uh, current recruiting class, I guess, or the current class assignees, as both A.J. Johnson and Ron Holland have decided to take their talents to the professional level. A.J. Johnson is going to Australia. Ron Holland is uh, going to play in the G League. But they did get a commitment from a guy who just uh, was released from his letter of intent from Kansas, yeah, take that Jayhawks for Arterio Morris. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, four-star combo guard Chris Johnson? Yeah, 
AJ decided to to hang out with men at work, and and that's what he's going to do for the next year before he gets drafted next 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 June. And then of course Ron Holland, I, I'd forgotten about that one. That but but thanks for the memories. Hey, Chris Johnson's coming in. This is a combo guard with some athleticism and a kid that can can put the ball in the hoop. If you take a pledge from Kansas, you're doing something. That one for one trade for Arterio Morris. I like that. I like how you said that. Um, that one, you know, in this day and age, I, I feel like Rodney Terry, outside of Johnson and, and Holland, did a good job in his first offseason and still currently doing a great job in his first offseason, retooling this roster. Chris Johnson is a guy that was kind of like a surprise, not to our members and not to the fans, but a month ago, nobody knew who Chris Johnson was at Texas. I mean, at Texas fans. The Horns, obviously, they, they've known him for a while, but nobody really knew him. But that's what Rodney Terry's do, doing. He's put him. He's put really good coaches around him, and that's part of the way to be successful at Texas is you got to hire an all-star coaching staff that just goes with it. Mac Brown proved that, and so and, and Sark has done that, which was so much different than what Charlie Strong and, and Tom Herman did. And so Terry's done that, and with Chris Johnson, they needed kind of a longer guy, a, a stretch forward, you know, wing type kid that that can play on the outside, can guard at the outside, and can still be able to score and shoot the basketball. And so with Johnson, it, it, they needed a few more spots to be filled. That's an excellent guy to fill in. I mean, you could get that, or you could go with a, a portal kid from say St. Bonaventure that's been in for two years and has a little more experience, but doesn't have the upside. Terry went with the upside. He is Justin Wells. Check him out at InsideTexas.com, the On Texas Football YouTube channel, on Twitter at Justin Wells2424, and on this very program every Tuesday night at 1015. It runs for a couple of segments every week or every week that we're on. We're off next week, so we'll be back in a couple weeks, literally a day before Texas appears at Big 12 Media Days for one final time. Justin, thank you, as always, for the time. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Hey, brother, thank you as well. Nothing but love, Trey. Coming up in Where Are We At in Society, a guy faked his own death before arriving at his own funeral in a helicopter to teach his family a lesson. What was that lesson? Well, find out next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellie. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of the show means it's time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your nightly look at stories that show we as a people are headed in a bad direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism and has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are getting it right and all is not lost. But sadly, tonight is not that night and we start in Belgium today where a guy faked his own death before arriving at his own funeral in a helicopter to teach his family a lesson David Bairton who is a TikTok influencer unsurprisingly says he felt unappreciated by his relatives so he had to teach them a lesson he's 45 and he claims that the prank will hopefully instill a value 
in his family about the importance of staying in touch with one another. He orchestrated the stunt because he felt unappreciated by some of his relatives. Do they appreciate you more or less now that you completely lied to them, started them into the mourning process before reappearing as if everybody was none the wiser? Because I'd want to punch that guy in the face. As relieved as I would be, if it's somebody that I actually loved, they would deserve a swift punch in the face for doing something so ridiculous. Because he is a TikTok influencer, there was a video capturing the moment where he arrived at his own funeral in a helicopter. Footage shows the mourners watching as the helicopter landed in a field and then the door opened. Then it cuts to a clip of people surrounding this guy. More people are walking towards him to hug and greet him and a film crew is recording the entire scene. Another video that this dude uploaded shows an emotional relative crying as they are embracing a guy that they thought were dead just five minutes ago, probably. The stage funeral took place a couple weeks ago after one of this guy's daughters reportedly wrote a tribute to her father on social media and said, rest in peace, daddy. I will never stop thinking about you. Why is life so unfair? Why you? You were going to be a grandfather and you still had your whole life ahead of you. I love you. We love you. We will never forget you. This guy claims that he was, quote, hurt because he, quote, never gets invited to anything by his family members. Gee, I wonder why, dude. Maybe it's because you're a lying POS, which is kind of what you're proving yourself to be by faking your own death. And then what? Rubbing it in people's faces that you're rich enough to rent a helicopter to show up at your own funeral? Just to show them that they need to appreciate you a little bit more? Maybe you've Cause them to realize that they appreciate not having you around quite as much. Because you're going to pull BS like this. But he's still commenting about things. Quote, nobody sees me. We all grew apart. I felt unappreciated. That's why I wanted to give them a life lesson and show them that you shouldn't wait until someone is dead to meet up with them. This guy who looks like a, a poor man's ZZ Top fan shaved dome but a really long beard I'm guessing that he has spent part of his life either in woodworking or as a barista in a hipster coffee shop somewhere in Europe added that only quote half of his family attended his fake funeral other relatives have since contacted him he says that proves they really care about him those who didn't come did contact me to meet up. So in a way, I did win. Well, look, you're having your 15 minutes of fame right now and people are fame whores. Not just in terms of actually gaining fame themselves, but also rubbing elbows with the famous. So enjoy this moment because those people who neglected you leading up to your fake funeral, they will eventually return to their old ways. You can trust me on that. Maybe one or two people you get through on 
but half your family didn't show up to this funeral. Why do you think that is? You think that's because they were just too sad to celebrate your life and mourn your death? Or do you think it's because they didn't care about you to begin with? Those people who are asking to meet up with you, I would be very leery of them going forward, guy. Now, for those wondering about the daughter writing the social media post, they were not in on this joke the entire time. His wife did know about the plan from the beginning and even tried to stop him. Good for her. Wouldn't be surprised if she's considering divorce right now, but he did allow his children to believe that he had really died for a couple of days. What's wrong with this dude? Scar these kids for the rest of their lives. What, for your own self-amusement? Don't give me this teaching other people a lesson garbage. You are doing this for the attention that you're gaining right now. I hope it wasn't worth it in the end. Truly. I hope that your phony excuse as to why you're doing something so ridiculously stupid and selfish backfires big time. And it worsens your relationship. Oh man, I'm getting harsh on this now. This just annoys me though. Remember the movie? The Michael Douglas movie? I want to say it was a late 90s flick called The Game. Where Michael Douglas is this super rich, successful guy pretty much has everything he could want in life. And so his brother, played by Sean Penn, buys him a unique, life-changing experience. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the game yet, it's a really good movie. I would recommend you turn off the radio right now. Stupid move by me to have you turn off my show. But you should watch this movie rather than to have me spoil it because I'm about to spoil it. Well, Michael Douglas is essentially led to believe that he has lost everything and he screwed up a lot of people's lives in the process And at the end of the movie, he's inconsolable and chooses to jump to his own death from tens of stories up, only to break through glass and land in like a, a circus netting and then have everybody inside this structure that he landed in all congratulating him on coming to the end of his journey and having a new found respect for life, I guess. Well, this is the real life version of that in a way. It's not apples to apples, I guess, now that I say it out loud. But this dude sucks. And just like if I were Michael Douglas in that situation and Sean Penn had bought me that experience, I'd want to punch him straight in the face after realizing that it was all a ruse. Yeah, if I'm one of the family members, that guy is taking a shot to the nose. No two questions about it. He may get hugged also. There may be some relief there, but that's going to be a hard one to forget about for a while. Like you need to show how much you want to be a part of our lives also. It's not just, this is not a one-way street here. You need to be making phone calls as well. And guess what? You're picking up the check for a while too, guy. And you're the one driving to where we are versus us driving to you. We have just spent way too much emotional capital mourning your fake death. And we need some time to recover from that. From that, So then in the meantime, you can make it up by doing all of the legwork with regards to maintaining these relations. Now, this guy does admit feeling a little bit bad about the prank. He does say, quote, as soon as I started receiving messages from people and videos of them crying, I wished I could cancel the whole thing, but it was too late. I asked myself, what have you done this for? But it was too late. 
I'm sorry to all the people I hurt. I hate hurting people. Yeah, you could have actually pulled the plug anytime you wanted to, but you allowed it to carry on through funeral. You let the funeral happen and rented a helicopter to teach people a lesson. And that lesson is, is that you're not worth the energy. Physical or emotional energy. Jackass. All right, finally tonight. Moms of Liberty. Sounds like a okay organization. I I know nothing about them until this article. But it is a National Conservative Parents Organization. And the Indiana chapter of Moms of Liberty had to apologize for something last week. Something that showed up in their newsletter. The Hamilton County chapter of Moms of Liberty, which as I just said is in Indiana, put a quote on the front page of its newsletter last week that read directly below their masthead, quote, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. That's not a bad quote, is it? So what are they having to apologize for? Well, it turns out when you add context to the quote, specifically who it came from, it's not such a good quote. You see, that quote came from one Adolf Hitler at a 1935 rally. And now this Indiana chapter of Moms of Liberty does have to apologize and say we condemn Adolf Hitler's actions and his dark place in human history. We should not have quoted him in our newsletter and express our deepest apology. Yeah, you think? All right, that is it for another edition of The Night Talker. Thank you to Justin Wells for joining me. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's The Night Talker with Trey Ellings.